Next time you hear someone whining about how Canada isn't free, why don't you have them, why don't you just point them to this story? Point them to Iran. There's a, there's a good idea of a place that isn't free. Um, a reminder today again of what it's like to live in a country that isn't free. Anti-government demonstrations over women's rights continued right across that country today. Uh, women are burning their headscarves. It's an act of resistance against the Islamic Republic's strict dress code, and particularly those who enforce it. Here are some of the sounds from the streets of Isfahan in central Iran tonight. Right. Protests in Isfahan in central Iran tonight. Here's what sparked it all. The death of a 22-year-old named Masa Amini. She was visiting Tehran with her parents earlier this month. She was stopped by the so-called morality police, apparently for wearing unsuitable attire, her crime. She had some hair showing through her headscarf. Remember freedom? She had her hair, some hair showing through her headscarf. She was taken into custody and officially collapsed and fell into a coma that day at a detention center. She died three days later. Here's, here's ABC's Jordana Miller. Iranians continuing to pour into the streets of cities across the country, protesting the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini, who died after an alleged beating by the now U.S.-sanctioned Modesty Police. That division notorious for harassing and abusing women who veer from the regime's strict Muslim dress code. Defiant women now in the streets burning their hijabs or headscarves. Security forces firing live rounds on the protesters in some cities. At least 26 killed including some police, according to Iranian state TV. Jordana Miller, ABC News, Jerusalem. Well, joining me for, with more on this is Jasmine Ramsey. She was born in Iran, but was raised in Vancouver. She is deputy director of the Center for Human Rights in Iran, and she speaks to us tonight from New York. Thanks for your time. Thanks for covering this, Ben. You know, the, it's so often the case that the that one individual example of something begins begins to embody something much broader. But perhaps we could start with just what happened uh, to Ms. Amini back in early September, um, because this has really sparked a huge amount of protest and obviously a lot of anger in Iran over what happened to her. Right. So um, Masa Amini's death has become a rallying cry. Uh, she was visiting Tehran with her family. She's 22 years old and she's picked up by the morality police, which is a unit of the police in Iran. They have everything to do with morality or uh, repression, excuse me, and nothing to do with morality. Um, and so they take her in and tell her family that they're going to give her re-education. And so when women are taken in uh, um, by this group. They are forced to take a class. There's a picture taken of them and usually they're let go. Um, but within two hours, her family finds out Masa is in the hospital. And just a few days later on September 16th, she's pronounced dead. Her family believes that this was a result of beatings um, uh, while she was in state custody. And um, the Iranian government has said that, you know, this 22 year old girl suddenly died of a heart attack. On our website, we published um, a translation of an interview with her father saying that he's raised her for 22 years and she's 
perfectly healthy and that he personally got calls by other girls that were also picked up by the morality police saying that she was in fact beaten. Um, and so now there is truly a crisis in Iran. People are calling for an end to the impunity that runs rampant within the government. They're calling for social and political change and women are opposing the mandatory hijab law by removing theirs in public, cutting their hair in public, dancing in the streets. There's truly um, a resounding outcry from all facets of society. We've seen protests happening in more than 50 cities, uh, which is why the Iranian government has responded with such force. There's heavily armed security forces through every city right now. Um, they're using lethal force according to the UN, and they've blocked internet and phone access. Tell me about Miss Amini's crime, because I gather what, what she was picked up for was, was having some hair visible. Is that right? That's right. But her father totally disputes that um, and says that she was actually perfectly dressed. And that really speaks to the arbitrary nature of these arrests. It's really just people on the streets deciding who gets picked up and who doesn't. There's no checks and balances on the power of these groups, which is why many are calling for the morality police to be completely abolished and for the hijab law to be abolished as well. I gather these guidance patrols. I was really reading an interview that uh, the BBC did with one a guidance patrol officer where they have they have a quota, essentially, where they're asked to pick up a certain number of people. And perhaps this is came into play here as well, that in fact, you're right, it's absolutely arbitrary. Exactly. And it's really important to know that just before this happened this summer, the government of President Abraham Raisi declared that all government entities should more strictly uh, enforce hijab obser observance. He did this. There's these uh, groups harassing people on the streets. And then suddenly we have this woman's death, which really talks about responsibility. I mean, there's many different people responsible, but at the height of power, it's truly this government that has pitted Iranians against each other and turned the hijab, which should be a choice into a tool of repression against women. Well, the Iranian government, is the investigation into what happened to, to her over? Is, is the official line that she had the heart attack and that is that? I mean, when the Iranian government talks about investigations, it's it's not really clear what they're going to do. Um, and the Iranian people, the way that they have responded indicates that they don't have any faith that any kind of investigation, an independent or fair investigation will be taken. And we also should note an Iranian Canadian by the name of Kavos Syed Amami died in 2018 while he was held for interrogations in Tehran's Evan prison under very suspicious circumstances. And in both cases, the uh, intelligence services and the state security forces have pressured both families not to speak publicly about the cases, harass them, especially Sayed Amami's family. There's a long history of that. For years, they were harassed in Iran, pressured them to quickly bury the body and not allow them to do an independent autopsy. So that really brings up a lot of questions of why they would do to go to such lengths to get rid of this story if there wasn't any any fault. We, of course, remember the, the case of Zara Kazemi as well that goes back a little yes. further, but the Iranian-Canadian journalist who died in, in, in prison in, in Tehran. Yes. What, just how unprecedented has the, the anger been? Because I think what we're watching, it's hard sometimes to know what's happening in and around Iran when, when there are these, these flashpoints. Just how unprecedented has this display been so far since uh, the death of uh, Mizamini? 
Yeah, I mean, it's truly uh, amazing the level of rage that you're seeing on the streets. Uh, people are chanting um, justice for Masa. They're also chanting death to the dictator, death to Khamenei, who's the unelected supreme leader who's been in power for decades. Um, and this protest is not happening in a vacuum. There's been protests in Iran for many years, especially the last six years. It's really um, the, part of the evolution of the protest movement in Iran, which is certainly focused around uh, social and political change. What makes this particular protest unique is the extent to which women were at front and center of so many of them in the very beginning um, and, and the focus on the, the forced hijab law and the way that women have been leading. Men and women also are standing side by side and calling on Iranians, passerbyers, people in their homes to join the protests. And they're also push, pushing back against security forces. The Iranian government really appears to be flat-footed, caught flat-footed, not not knowing how to respond, because usually what it does is it just responds with violent force, turns off the Internet and uh, represses the protests that way. But there's so many people in the streets, in main towns and cities, but also small ones, conservative ones uh, that have very different views towards Iranian women than you would see in the more liberal cities. Everyone is coming out into the streets and uh, venting their anger right now. I, I gather, though, it, it has the repression has begun. I mean, there, it has turned deadly. And that is always, you know, absolutely to, to see that from abroad. What, what do we know? I mean, the last number I heard was 26. Yeah, I, I don't like to give the numbers right now, mm -hmm. because based on what we've seen from previous protests, they're very much the tip of the iceberg. You know, people, journalists are working under an Internet blackout and phone blackout. So it's very difficult to say the official numbers by the Iranian government yesterday were 17. We yesterday had 36. We expect that number to be much higher and not to mention also the numbers of injuries and arrests. We will start to see the true picture once the Iranian government allows more internet access and more access to the country. Jasmine Ramsey is our guest this half hour. She is the deputy director of the Center for Human Rights in Iran. We're talking about the death of Masa Amini, a 22-year-old who was visiting Tehran with her parents when she was picked up by the morality police, allegedly for uh, not properly wearing her headscarf, her hijab, with some hair visible. Uh, her family disputes this, but uh, three days later, she was dead. Her family say that uh, they believe she was beaten. Um, the government says she had a heart attack, uh, and it has sparked a huge amount of anger on the streets of Iran, led by women, of course, who uh, are opposed to the morality police and the enforcement of these rules. So what happens now, Jasmine, because you've seen a lot of these events in Iran over the years where things spark and then are quickly quelled by force um, and then sort of disappear and then pop up again. Do you feel like this one is different? It definitely feels different, but it's very difficult to predict where this part of the protest movement in Iran will go. I think it depends a lot on the extent of lethal force that the Iranian government uses to repress them. Um, and, you know, it's also important to note that these protests, they were spontaneous and organic, and they're leaderless at this point. And the main reason for that is because the Iranian government has either imprisoned, killed, or forced out of the country uh, viable opposition leaders 
So this is that really speaks to why there's that kind of rage on the street, because every time people try to open a space for themselves to have a say in the Iranian government's policies, it closes it. And now people are simply out in the streets trying to speak out and calling against this crisis of impunity in the Iranian government. We've seen reaction from world leaders. Obviously, the UN General Assembly has been meeting um, in New York, so that has been an issue of certainly a topic that's come up there. Uh, what have you made so far of the international response uh, of Canada's response? For instance, are you hearing the sorts of words of condemnation uh, that you wanted that you want to hear, and is it enough? Right. So it's important to note that President Raisi went to the UN General Assembly and talked about justice and listening to the will of the people while completely ignoring what's happening on the ground in Iran. He expects the world to either look away or get distracted by other issues, which is why we're calling on all world leaders, not just leaders, um, parliamentarians, Congress people, anyone that has a prominent platform to speak out against the use of lethal force against these protesters in Iran and call on the Iranian government to allow people to speak up and and respect uh, social and political rights. Um, so certainly Canada and anyone should be speaking out for this. Um, and we also want to say that it's not just leaders, but people with large platforms, celebrities, anyone. Yeah. We heard yeah, Justin Trudeau yesterday said Canada strongly supports people who are expect them, expressing themselves and protesting peacefully in Iran and calling on the Iranian regime to end its repression of freedom of expression and to end the ongoing harassment of and discrimination against women. You mentioned that it had been that it has long been used as a much broader tool of repression in Iranian society, this crackdown on women and the way they dress particularly. Perhaps just explain where it lies in the greater scheme of things when it comes to how the regime controls dissent within the Iranian population writ large. Right. So, I mean, if you look at the political prisoners in Iran, so many of them are actually women, um, Nargis Mohammadi, uh, and um, people that have kind of go in and out of prison, people like the prominent human rights lawyer, Nasreen Sudadeh, who for years was imprisoned actually for in part for defending women who had been accused of um, not wearing a proper hijab. The hijab was imposed shortly after the revolution in Iran in 1979. My mother was one of the women that helped organize one of the first major protests against the compulsory hijab. And the extent that we're seeing women on the streets in Iran risking their lives and risking their freedom to say that they don't want this to be forced upon them is truly awe-inspiring and really courageous and speaks to the thirst for change in Iran, as well as this unity that we're seeing uh, among men and women and and people of all different socioeconomic classes who may not agree on many issues, but they all seem united in speaking out against this government, which has been either unresponsive to their needs or completely repressive. And again, though, I, I was just reading about that. I don't know what's the same one. I was reading about the 100,000 people that gathered on what was International Women's Day in Tehran back in 1979 yes. to protest, if that's the one your mom was involved with, which is, and there were other protests after that being said, this has been in place for more than 40 years now and used effectively, I guess, as a tool of repression. Uh, do you ever see it ending? I mean, we see these these up, these protests pop up. And then, as I mentioned, you know, the use of force comes in. Um, will this ever come to an end, do you think? And, and does the regime have an interest in allowing it to end? 
The Iranian people seem to think that there is a chance that if they speak up forcefully enough, that someone will hear them. Uh, all we can do is try to amplify their demands and keep a spotlight on Iran as they risk their lives to air their grievances and let their voices be heard. Um, certainly, we at the Center for Human Rights in Iran believe uh, religious freedom and the freedom of expression are two inalienable universal rights. People should be allowed to wear a hijab or not wear a hijab. And we certainly hope that the Iranian government listens to this uh, call for uh, freedom in Iran, as well as uh, world leaders, especially leaders that have direct relations with Iran, that have direct channels of communication, to call on them to stop uh, repressing this, this call for change. Given your position and what you do, were you surprised by the death of Masa Amini? Oh, no. I mean, uh, you should see the kind of deaths that happen in the prisons in Iran, um, even among political prisoners. Uh, there's a systematic policy that's aimed at keeping people dan down and keeping the status quo in place, no matter what cost to the people or the nation. And it's causing deaths but it's also causing mass protests and what could be a major uprising. So the Iranian government needs to really pay attention to that. I guess I meant it, you know, she seems like she was the furthest, furthest thing from a, from a dissident, right? She was a 22-year-old tourist in Tehran, the capital, with her mom, with her parents, rather, uh, who made what could have may or may not have been a very minor infraction to a very old rule. And it just seems shocking from the outside. It it is. And that's the part that breaks, I think, so many Iranians' hearts. Um, in the interview that the, that her father did with a Persian news outlet, he actually said, we're, we're people from the province. You know, uh, he's saying that we're, we have nothing to do with anything. We were just here visiting. Why are you doing this to us? And I think that question of why are you doing this to us may be on the lips and uh, tongues of so many Iranians uh, that are protesting inside the country and of course, also outside the country for so much change. Jasmine Ramsey, thank you so much. Thank you.